Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. 855, the number 4-G-A-R-T-E-N. That's how you get in touch with us. I want to hear from you as well. All the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is how you can get in touch with us, and you can find us all over the place. Guys, I cannot wait for this championship round. And it's it's funny because in the NFL, you know, it starts to dwindle down, and the attention that we really start to pay attention to the NFL um, during the week seems to fall away as the playoffs begin, as the division round, from the wild cards to the division round to the championships, because there's less teams. But the week leading into it always kind of, um, I, I want to say, gets a little stale in the middle of the week, right? You kind of know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, Monday, you're pumped up for what just happened. Tuesday, all right, kind of gets, uh, you know, the, the pumped up wears off a little bit. Wednesday, Thursday, yeah, there's no real injury news. There's nothing really going on. The lines haven't really moved all that much. You sit back on Friday, you go, okay, you know, well, for the last couple of weeks, I've had a Saturday game and I don't have anything here. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Saturday, you wake up and go, oh, wait a minute, we, 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 we got a playoff game tomorrow. Um... The excitement level is at an all-time high on Sunday, but leading up to the week, I always found it a little bit, little interesting. And when I mention this, this isn't just about, hey, let's have a sports conversation um, about the feeling of sports fans. No, I'm talking about it in a context of sports betting as well, because sports betting is not driven during the week. Sports betting during the week of this championship game, you're not going to see a lot of movement going on. You're not going to see a lot of guys making bets. They either, look, guys either want to bet it early or they want to bet it late. There's very few guys waking up on a Wednesday afternoon and being like, oh, I, I forgot to bet this weekend, right? Um, or waking up on a Wednesday afternoon and going, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'll get out in front of this thing. You don't really see that in the middle of the week. So on in general, look. Normally, what you do see is you see very sharp action, very early action coming in uh, during a regular NFL week. Um, you look at everybody going around and you go, okay, well, here's what you do. You try to get that early action, that early Sunday night, Monday morning, bam, you get that. But you always have that Thursday game, or most of the time you have that Thursday game. So Monday, a lot of people waking up different times, different time zones, they're making bets. So that that line shifts from Sunday night where it's released. Uh, and I've been on the air in Las Vegas for over a decade now on Sunday night. 
East Coast time, I get off the air at 3 a.m. So the lines are already posted. I know that when I wake up in the morning, you know, four or five hours later, that line's going to be differently skewed. The line's going to look different from 8 o'clock in the morning than it is going to look at it at 8 o'clock at night. So Monday is always the day where you see the line move a lot. But you do get some of that on Tuesday because there's a reaction, right? So you get the Monday line move, the Tuesday reaction move. Wednesday's kind of stagnant. Thursday, all of a sudden, Thursday comes out. Well, it's the injury report. And sometimes you see movement there. Friday, well, you got to go through that final walkthrough. And some guys that are questionable, you go through that final walkthrough on Friday. So you do have movement throughout the week. And then, of course, Sunday morning, you have plenty of movement. Well, during these championship weeks, and you'll see this during the Super Bowl as well, there's not that much movement. You saw people jump on right away. They jumped immediately. Bam, I'm going to jump on this. I'm going to take it. That's Sunday night, uh, even Monday. Okay. Tuesday, there wasn't an overreaction. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of time. Let's see where this goes. Not a lot of movement on Tuesday. Not a lot of movement on Wednesday. Uh, You know, you're sitting back and you're going, okay, I don't expect a lot of movement until Sunday. And even then, I think we're going to get pretty standard lines here. I don't expect to see anything. We're not anticipating um, big injuries. There's nobody we're really waiting on. You know, if if Tampa Bay had advanced, we'd be waiting on Tristan Wirfs, for example, right? Um, If, you know, certain guys look, the Rams have a lot of injuries, but we already kind of know about those injuries. They're already written in. Um, a guy like Andrew Whitworth, okay, maybe that's somebody that that's different, but it's already kind of juiced into the line. The only thing that could hurt us here, and, and I shouldn't even put this out into the universe, would be COVID, but it doesn't even look like that's happening anymore during the playoffs, right? Magically, everyone's uh, healed for the playoffs. Interesting. So we, we go about our lines, and I just don't expect a lot of movement. So let's talk about it. The line opened up on Sunday, Cincinnati, Kansas City, which will be the 3 o'clock, 3.05 Eastern time game. Kansas City in Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium, which they now call some other really weird field. Uh, but Cincinnati, Kansas City, it opened up at Kansas City six and a half. And that was an immediate line six and a half. It quickly went up to seven. There was a seven and a half laying out there on Wednesday afternoon at BetMGM. Seven and a half even money, by the way. So if you like Cincinnati, you know, that's the place to grab them. Everything else was generally seven across the board. We did see some rather large movement as the total went from 51 up to 55. The Superbook had 55. Meanwhile, the win bet had 54. Everybody else was about 54 and a half. So you saw that. That's that's the big movement there. But it is interesting if you're shopping around that you could have been able to get the bet MGM at seven and a half at even the same day where FanDuel had seven minus one, uh, 115. So that's an interesting spot. Then the 640 p.m. game in SoFi Stadium. I didn't even know what a SoFi was, by the way. I guess that's a West Coast thing. SoFi, now now I do because all the commercials. SoFi Stadium, Rams, San Fran. It was a four-point line. It fell to three and a half. It's three and a half across the board. I have not really seen much movement. Three and a half. Caesars is given a 105 line. WinBet's given a 105 line. Other than that, it's been three and a half pretty much across the board. 47 has fallen down to 46. At Caesars, 46 at DraftKings, 46 at points bet, 46 and a half across the board uh, everywhere else that I could find. So some interesting line movements um, when you're talking about the totals where, you know, San Francisco is expected to be uh, lower, at least a point lower, you know, in, in this spot. And Kansas City, Cincinnati, it skyrocketed up, but I'm not surprised. So 
before we get into the games themselves, which I will get into, um, let's just look at how I would approach this. Okay, if you're betting on Cincinnati, I'm waiting. Look, I think you can take the BetMGM line at 7.5 and, and be happy with that. But I do expect late money to come in on San Francisco. San Fran is the team. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Kansas City. Kansas City is the team that everybody thinks is so dominant. Kansas City is the team that everybody's looking at as the Super Bowl champions. Kansas City just had the the performance of the ages by Patrick Mahomes. Kansas City is the high flying team. Kansas City is at home. Cincinnati's the upstart. Cincinnati's a team nobody really knows about. Cincinnati's a fun little story, but does anybody believe in them? which means I think that the public is going to be pounding Kansas City late in this game. I do think it gets to 7.5 across the board by the time Sunday's game goes off. As far as the total goes, same thing. I think this continues to go up. It's 54.5 in most spots. Like I said, 55 at the Superbook. You can still get a 54 at win bet. Um, I think this continues to go up. I think it's going, going to eventually get to 55. I don't think it goes much higher than that. You might be able to grab a 55 and a half out there, but that's something to pay attention to. As far as the Rams and San Fran, um, a lot of people are jumping on San Fran here. A lot of novice bettors, a lot of just casual bettors absolutely love San Fran for the reason of, you know what, they own them kind of thing. I, I don't expect this number to go anywhere. I don't think it gets to three. I don't think it falls to three. Maybe in a spot or two, maybe one or two books out there will get a lot of action, but I don't think it falls to three. I don't think it goes back up to four. There's almost no reason for that. But if there is late money here, again, I expect it on the favorite. I expect it on the Rams. I expect people to watch the Kansas City-Cincinnati game and be you know, sitting back and going, okay, I'm going to take the Rams here. Um, you might be able to, You might be able to get a four if you're a San Fran fan. You might be able to get a four, but I, I just don't think so. I don't think you're going to get a lot of movement here. And the same thing with the total. You know, it went from 47 to 46. I think 46 is as low as it goes. Uh, you know, we're not going to get it down to 44 here. So maybe it'll drop to 45 and a half. But I think that that game is pretty set. I think we're going to go into that game. San Fran getting more than a field goal, you know, whether it be a half a point or a full point. And I think we're going to be sitting at 45 and a half to 46 and a half right there. The only thing that I would watch is that Kansas City game, where if you are taking Cincinnati, I think you can get a seven. First of all, I just told you where you can get a seven and a half, but I think you get a seven and a half across the board. All right, let's go into the games themselves here. And, and uh, we'll start it off right away. We're going to start it off with, with this big game, the Bengals and Chiefs. Look, the Bengals are an interesting team here because... They were banged up. They took a different road to get here. And you look at the road that they took to get here, and the road they took to get here is paved with teams that you look at and you go, they were supposed to be something that they weren't. Pittsburgh had a good defense, but they, they were supposed to be a playoff team. Eh, they really weren't, right? And the Bengals had to go through them. The Baltimore Ravens were supposed to be a Super Bowl contender this year. Well, look, they had so many injuries, more injuries than I've ever seen any team ever have. Uh, at the end of the year, they didn't even have their star quarterback. Um, and you look at them and you go, okay, they, they weren't what we assumed they were. The Cleveland Browns. Were everyone's favorite darling to go to the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, they certainly weren't what we believe they were were at all. Now the Bengals go out there, and they go out there and they win a playoff game against the Raiders. But as impressive as that is for the Bengals overall, does that really skew your mindset? Does that make you suddenly believe? Oh man, they beat the mighty Raiders? Absolutely not. 
And then you go out there and they beat the Titans. Yes, they beat the Titans, okay? And it was a number one seed, and it was on the road. And this is by no means to take anything away from the Bengals, but I want to tell you the, the trip that they took to get here. Well, the Bengals you know, beat a division where everybody had a down year. Everybody failed to live up to expectations. Then they beat a Raiders team that kind of backdoored their way in. Nobody really believed that they were a playoff team. Then they beat a Titans team that by all accounts was the worst and the weakest number one seed maybe we've ever had. Okay, They were banged up. They had terrible quarterback play. Nobody believed in the Titans anyway. So while the Bengals did get here, and impressively so, uh, there is the road that they paved to get here, which was a little a little smoother than I think people imagine. Well, you could say a lot about the same thing about Kansas City. Kansas City had a division where the Raiders were their number one you know competition. Denver lost Bridgewater. Somehow or another, the Chargers shot themselves in the foot yet again. And the Raiders started off, I'm sorry, the Chiefs started off so terrible that only the Raiders were ever able to push them. And, and they beat up the Raiders anyway at dead, so it wasn't really a big deal. They get into the playoffs, you know, and then last weekend they beat the Bills, and they beat the Bills in the fashion that they did, elevating their play. The game against the Bengals is the game that we're going to talk about here mostly. But that might be the best regular season contest that they had all year. I think the Bengals are the second best team they played all year. So, you know, there's no doubt to me that the Bengals, the best team they played all season, was probably the Chiefs team. And the same thing for the Bengals. So they even, both of them took different roads to get here. And you could say that the Bengals' road to get here was a little bit easier. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're both facing the competition that I think that might have been the best team that they faced all year. Now, the Bengals did hold the Raiders to, uh, you know, who were number six overall in passing attack to just 19 points. So that defense looked good. And then they went out and took on a completely different team because that was a passing team. Then they took on a running team and they held the Titans to 16 points. That was fantastic at all. Uh, look, they're getting takeaways, which is great. They have five in the, the playoffs, seven over the last three games. That's what they're doing. And that's what they're doing really well. But let's not make the Cincinnati defense out to be anything but what it really is. Cincinnati entered last weekend 25th in defensive DVOA. 25th, okay? They, they didn't get a sack or a turnover against Kansas City the last time. So I look at this Bengals defense and I go, you know, I don't know what to make of them. I really don't. I want to believe that they can stop the run. They were the number four overall rushing defense with about a month to go left in the season. They didn't look good late in the year. Now they lost their defensive tackle. Oh, they lost their second defensive tackle. Oh, that's right. So they're down two players, but they just stopped Derrick Henry and the Titans. So I don't know what to believe in them there. You know, you look at this team and you go, okay, can they get after the, the, the pass rusher? Yeah, they could get after the, the passer. They could rush. They could do some nice things, but they didn't do it against Kansas City last time they saw them. So that's a problem. I have no worry about the offense of the Bengals uh, you know, through the air. We know what Burrow is, and Burrow is just that special player. Jamar Chase and Boyd and Higgins, they can't be stopped. Even Uza, right? I mean, they cannot be stopped through the air. But I do have a concern that Joe Mixon was a starting running back all year, and they only had two games all season long where they rushed for over 100 yards. As a matter of fact, he's only got two games where he rushed for over 65 yards since, like, Thanksgiving. I mean, it's been terrible here. And now you look at the Chiefs side of things, okay? Patrick Mahomes is now 7-1. and one. He is playoff Patrick. 7-1 and one 
with 23 touchdowns and one interception during the AFC playoff games. I, I, I mean, are you kidding me? Let me just repeat that. 23 touchdowns and one interception in the AFC playoff games, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Simply fantastic. Simply fantastic here. So I have no worries about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to go to Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase last game had 266 yards, 11 catches, three touchdowns. I, I mean, and now Tyron Matthews is going to be out of this game. I have no worries about that. I have no worries about Patrick Mahomes, who's 23 and one touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, Kelsey looks good. Tyreek Hill clearly looked healthy. Um, but both of these teams don't run the ball well. And I think that that has to be something that we're talking about. Look, Chris Jones had four, you know, two of the four sacks that Kansas City had in the first meeting. So they're going to be able to get in Joe Burrow's face. Joe Burrow, who was sacked nine times against the Titans. Nine times. Joe Burrow, who has ice in, vein, in his veins because he was sacked 51 times during the year, leading the entire NFL. Yes. So he's going to get pressured. Okay, he's going to get hit. He's going to get sacked. We know what's going to happen to Joe Burrow. Yet, I don't worry about this passing offense. I don't worry about Joe Burrow. He's just a different animal. I, same thing with Patrick Mahomes. I don't worry about him. But I think that the difference in this game is going to be who can establish the run. The Kansas City Chiefs can't establish the run. Jarek McKinnon is an interesting, gadgety kind of guy. He's a slippery type of dude back there. Um, he's somebody that you look at, and you look at Jared McKinnon, and you go, okay, you know, that that makes some sense. He, he can have decent runs and decent plays, but he's more of that third-down receiver type. He's more of that that uh, scat back. I hate that word, but he, he, he reminds me more of that than the power back. Joe Mixon on the other side. I just told you all his, all his struggles, all his problems. You know, Cincinnati would love to slow this game down. Cincinnati doesn't want to get into a shootout here. Okay, as much as you have Joe Burrow and you have Jamar Chase, Cincinnati does not want to get into a shootout in this spot. They just don't. Um, I think the line at seven is fair. I think Kansas City is the better team. Kansas City's at home. Kansas City has the pedigree. But there's something about Joe Burrow that leaves me worried about this line if I'm betting Kansas City. There's something about Joe Burrow. Every now and then in sports, the the uh, let's let's go dramatic here. The stars align and everything works out. Everything works out for a guy that kind of just comes onto the scene and you go, I don't know how we didn't see that coming. And Joe Burrow might be that guy. Joe Burrow defies odds. Joe Burrow put an LSU team on his back when nobody believed in LSU and performed uh, just simply magnificently. Joe Burrow is that X factor. And we just watched Josh Allen absolutely methodically humiliate this Kansas City defense. Don't take anything else away from this. Kansas City got the win. Uh, and, and everyone's going, oh, look, Josh Allen was fantastic. Yes, the defense was terrible. Terrible for Kansas City, especially late. And now Joe Burrow has those tapes. And as good as Josh Allen is, and Josh Allen is better than Joe Burrow, as good as Josh Allen is, um, Joe Burrow has the weapons that Josh Allen does not have, right? If If Gabriel Davis is ripping apart that defense for four touchdowns, Jamar Chase is going to have a field day, which he already did. Okay, so Joe Burrow and the Joe Burrow factor is something I think we need to start to consider. The Joe Burrow element is something I think we need to start to consider. The fact that Joe Burrow is on the other side scares me if I'm going out there and I'm taking a, a, a team like this, a, a team laying seven points, a team going out there and you're laying a touchdown. That worries me. If I'm sitting back and I'm talking about laying seven points against Joe Burrow. So I pause there. As far as the total goes, yeah, I, I do expect 
everyone thinks that this is going to be a shootout. But these things tend to kind of get away. Look, if the Bengals are blown out in this game, which a lot of people are believing they will be, if the Bengals are blown out, I, I could certainly see an under happening. Um, the last time these two teams met, 65 points were scored. It's hard for me to argue the under. So I'm not going to. I mean, I think I, I liked it at 51. I like the over. But at 55, it gives me a little bit of pause. So be very careful. Well, one thing I will say is that there are going to be some interesting prop play, plays. Everything is going to be elevated. Every one of these prop plays is going to be elevated. I would still not be afraid to take Chase, who I think is going to get uh, just massive looks. They may be able to kind of keep him in check. So maybe you want to just go with receptions as opposed to yards. Um, I do think Burrow and Mahomes are going to be massively over overpriced. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. Jarek McKinnon to get into the end zone makes a little bit of sense. And I like the, th- the Cincinnati tight end. Look, I, I think that uh, Casey struggles against tight ends. And you look at him, 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six, seven, uh, receptions. You might be able to get an over five and a half receptions for him. I'll take a, sp- a stab at that. I like the prop plays a lot more than I like the game itself, to be honest with you. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more to do right after this, right here on Wagering Week. Now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? All right, guys, what are the odds? Well, look, everybody's talking about Tom Brady and what it will bring. His comments kind of leading to maybe the first real indication that maybe he won't be back of course, the sports books are going to jump on this one right away. All the offshores jumped on it, and it's more for fun than anything else. But I do have some odds for you. Will Tom Brady retire? The odds are yes, plus 135, no, minus 170. Incidentally, by the way, these are the lowest odds that I've seen in a very long time. That is, what are the odds? You would have gone broke if you bet against Brady. <laughs> Yeah, man, gone broke if you bet him retiring over the last uh, you know decade. It seems it seems like it's been like a decade, right? He's forty four years old. I, I mean, can can we say it's been like a decade at thirty four? And, and you know, I don't remember. Um, but at thirty four, where there whispers like, ah, uh, Brady might be coming to the end. I think so. I mean, you got to think about think about the generation that we were at and the age we were at back then of quarterbacks, right? Thirty three, thirty four. That was old. That was old for a quarterback. You know, you didn't get guys in their upper 30s. Certainly, I, I could say this. I could say with certainty, I remember in like when he was about 37 years old. I remember very vividly at like 37, there was certainly conversation. So I think it, it, it's not far to say that a decade ago, a decade ago, you could have probably gone out there and, and found some people that go, you know what? This might be Brady's last hurrah. <laughs> I don't think it's crazy to say that a decade ago. Absolutely not. Uh, certainly, I, I could I could attest to seven years ago, and it might be eight, depending on how good my memory is. So we're closing in on on about a decade. Um, I do think it's the first real indication that maybe he will go somewhere. Um, uh, you know, meaning not football wise. I don't think you know when Tom Brady. When I say go somewhere, um, you know, I don't think Brady's in line to be a coach. I don't think he wants that. I don't. Not only I don't think he wants that. I don't think his competitive drive will be fulfilled being a coach. I don't think that Brady is going to be a broadcaster. Um, to me, it's the same reaction that Ted Williams got when he tried to become a coach. You know, there's the, the famous story, and, and I'm going to tell it 
probably pretty awful here. But there's the famous story about Ted Williams, and he becomes a coach, and he's getting mad at the kids, and he's getting mad at, at his players. And he, you know, one of the players said, what, what's wrong? What, you know, well, how do you do? How do you fix this? And he goes, all you have to do is you have to see the turn <laughs> of the stitches on the ball. And people are like, what? You're looking at stitches on the ball? It, you know, when you're that great, it's hard to teach people the things that you saw. So I don't see Brady doing that, but I will say this. It's the first time that I believe Brady may go somewhere else. Um, it's the first time that I've started to look at this and say maybe Brady will go somewhere else. And I, I think the the maybe Brady will go somewhere else conversation is out there because we are starting to see a different side of Tom Brady, right? I mean, uh, up until... He went to Tampa, really. And you could say it was a New England thing, and I'm sure that it had something to do with it. You could say it was a Belichick thing, and I'm sure that Bill had something to do with it. But up until, you know, the Tampa Bay years of Tom Brady, we didn't know much about Tom Brady, right? I mean, he was a good-looking guy, had a, a, you know, a supermodel wife. But other than that, you know, we didn't know too much. All of a sudden, he's on Twitter He's doing fun crypto commercials where he's talking about trades and and he he's having fun with with everybody and he's kind of become a personality. You know, he's gone out there. He's got a podcast now. You know, you can start to see him arranging life after football. Whether it happens this year or not, you could start to see him sort of taking pleasure in things outside of football. You could start to see him, and I'm not talking about just the family, which is normal. Tom Brady's going to need something else. But you could start to see him starting to have fun like that. Drinking, throwing the Super Bowl trophy. I mean, these are things that we didn't know Tom Brady was into. Oh, this is hysterical. He's having golf tournaments with Peyton Manning. We didn't know that. And I do, and you know, I do think he looks at his contemporaries and sees how they handled things, right? I think he looks at um, Peyton Manning and he goes, wow, you know, Peyton is almost as popular now as he, maybe he's more popular now than when he was playing. I mean, uh, you know, Peyton Manning really reinvented himself and became that guy. And now everybody loves Peyton Manning. Look, Peyton Manning could literally run for office. And by the way, I wouldn't be shocked if he does at some point. But Peyton Manning could literally run for office and everybody's going to go, oh, man, Peyton Manning, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with that guy. Um, because he's he's reinvented himself. Is that that likable? Eli Manning. Right, that likable guy. My, my goodness, you know, you, you, everybody seems to like him. So his contemporaries are kind of doing it. Drew Brees, Drew Brees got a head of hair suddenly. Suddenly, somehow or another, Drew Brees retires. He got he's got a head of hair. I, I real, I got to get in touch with Drew because you know, I, look, I'm not LeBron or Drew style, but my hair's going. I, I, I probably need a couple mil. But you know, you start to see those guys. You go, okay, so they could have a life after this, and, and that's okay. I, and I think that Brady's starting to set it up in his mind that. I can have a life after this. I, I can do certain things after this. I, I don't have to be just beholden to coach or broadcaster, right? I think I can do um, some commercials, some TV. People forget, and, and I'll, I'll bring this back to another forum, but people forget. Just look at the, the guy that just, you know, that just passed away in John Madden, right? John Madden was a coach. I mean, that's all he was, was a coach. John Madden was a coach of the Raiders. That's who he was. Then... He reinvented himself. I know him as a broadcaster. Some guys just know him as a video game guy, right? I mean, you can reinvent yourself. Uh, one of the funny stories, I'll tell you another pretty funny story in sports. Uh, I, I'm sure that you guys have heard this before, but it, it's a funny story anyway. So Joe DiMaggio sitting in a, a, in a restaurant. And he's sitting in a restaurant and he hears the whispers and people are, are kind of whispering over at him. And, and 
you know, you could see, all right, okay, they know who I am. All right, yes, I'm Joe DiMaggio, and, and you know, kind of like, let me eat my lunch sort of thing. And they came over to him, and, and it was a group of uh, two or three people, and they came over, and they said, are you, are you? And he said, yes, yes, I'm, I am. And they said, Mr. Coffee? Because he was doing so many Mr. Coffee commercials, that's how people knew him. They didn't even know him as Joe DiMaggio anymore. So I tell that story to kind of say that Tom Brady can go into different things and he can reinvent himself, especially with Giselle's uh, backing, you know, go into movies and TV and, and look at Terry Bradshaw, who he was a football player. Now look at what he's done. Look at Jim Brown. Jim Brown's an actor. I mean, I don't know where Brady wants to go with things, but I think for the very first time, we're starting to see a different side of Tom Brady. That would lead me to say, you know what? We may be seeing a Tom Brady that is ready to walk away from purely just getting his head bashed in, right? Um, with that said, I don't believe that Brady will leave. I don't think Brady will go anywhere. I think that Brady, I have defended Tom Brady for the better part of his entire career, okay? I am not a New England Patriots fan. I've never been a New England Patriots fan, but I respect greatness. And I respect what I've watched in Brady. When, for you young kids out there, you know, you always had to choose a side. And while I like Manning, I was a Brady guy. You had to, you had to choose a side. You were either a Manning guy or a Brady guy. And I liked Peyton Manning, but I was a Brady guy. I mean, it just the way it was. At the time, he was the underdog. At the time, I, I respected the winning more than the, the pure numbers. Then it morphed into sort of Brady against Rodgers, right? Um, which was a ridiculous argument, which obviously, anybody that's listened to my show, I was a Brady guy. So I've defended Tom Brady in a lot of ways. But I will say that to say this, that while I defended Tom Brady, I'm also very aware Tom Brady is a petty guy. Tom Brady is a petty dude, man. Tom Brady is a guy with the perfect life. Great kids, a literal supermodel for a wife, fantastic you know, career. He'd probably go down as the greatest player in the history of the NFL, certainly the best quarterback ever, most rings, all of this. He lives a charmed, great life, and all he does is go, yeah, remember like 25 years ago, those teams didn't take me, right? So he's a petty guy. So petty guys... And, and look, we all know them. We all know the petty guy out there, and it is what it is, okay. But what petty guys do often is they they kind of want things done their way, right? Tom Brady is a guy that wants things done his way. Being petty Tom Brady, I think he wants the retirement tour. That's why I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he wants that retirement tour. And guess what? I think Gronk does too. You know, Gronk walked away from the, the sport unceremoniously, we'll say. Gronk walked away, sort of quiet, sort of slunk away. I think Gronk wants the retirement. I think Bruce Arians wants the retirement. And what better thing to kind of come out? You know, you need a mission statement. And the Bucks didn't say it this year, but they brought everybody back from last season. They looked at their schedule before the year, and they said, we're going to try to go undefeated. And the sports books put out numbers for the Bucks to go undefeated. Okay, the sports books put out that that number in the preseason. Oh, will the Bucks go undefeated? Most people, including me, thought that they were. Look, wow, you know, seventeen game season. Uh, you know, they're gonna win thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen games, right? I had a hard time finding losses on this guy. I said, all right, I'll, I'll give one to New Orleans because they kind of own them. Maybe the Rams. Would be, I mean, I had two, three games that might be tough, and that was it. That was it. Okay. Well, they went out there, and that mission statement 
went to hell in week three because all of a sudden the Rams beat him in week three. And that was it. So now next year, the mission statement, I don't think they're going to go, uh, okay, we're going for perfection again because it's just an unattainable goal for a 45-year-old quarterback and a team that isn't bringing everybody back. Ah, but to say, okay, we're going to have the retirement party. Look, guys, I'm leaving. And in every single you know, football stadium, there's going to be tributes to Brady and thank yous to Brady and all things that, guess what, the best player in football deserves. The best player that we've ever seen, he deserves that. And I think he wants it. I think that's his final sort of jab at everybody that passed on him in the draft and his final jab at everybody that ever doubted him and his final hurrah, here you go. I think Brady wants that. I think he wants to go out as a champion, obviously. And I think he want, really wanted to win the MVP this year. And if he had won the MVP or he did win a championship, I think he might have walked away. I'm pretty sure he would have. But I think he wants one more go where everyone gets to kind of kiss his butt and say goodbye. I, I think he I think he needs one more shot at that. So I do think he comes back. You know, I'm not laying 170 here on the, uh, any offshores to say that because for the first time ever in my entire career, I, I think maybe he doesn't come back. But, but I think he will. I think he will come back. I think it's going to be one more time. He's going to have the conversation. Well, my wife and my kids, you know, they, they didn't want me to come back, but I, I owed it to football to come back one more year. I want to come back one more year. And I think that him and Gronk and Arians all say, you know what? We're going to run it back one more time. This is it. And you set up the Tampa Bay Bucks in a position where they're going to have massive cap space. Remember, Brady's got another year under, under you know, uh, contract, so he lives out his contract. Um, you go out there, you give them cap space, you give them a plan, you give them a year to kind of prepare. It's just doing the right thing by the organization. I think that Tom Brady wants to do the right thing, not only by the Tampa Bay Bucks, but overall just leave as the good guy. And Brady's been the, the villain most of his life. Most of his pro career, Tom Brady has been the villain. He started out as the underdog, but he's been the villain most of his pro career. And as being the villain is most of your pro career as any WWE or wrestling fan will tell you, uh, you know, if you're the, the face, you want to turn heel at least once. You want you want to feel it, and that's why Hogan turned heel. But there's also the idea, you know, if you're the heel all the time, you want to have that moment in the spotlight where where you are the face, where you're you are the good guy. And Brady and Tampa on his after you know not winning the Super Bowl this year, Brady and Tampa when he's calling it quits. He can leave the good guy, something he hasn't experienced in, in 15, 20 years, something that, he, you know, he's known that he's the, the villain year after year. He can leave the good guy. And leaving the good guy also sets up his next career. So I do think he comes back. It's just my opinion here. Um, real quick would be before we go into uh, game number two, and uh, I'll give you my predictions of the Super Bowl, uh, who I think are going to the Super Bowl also. I do want to mention the other guy, and the other guy is Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers, after the game, came out, and Aaron Rodgers basically said he's done with Green Bay. Look, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what I heard, okay? I heard things like, I don't want to be here during a rebuild. I heard things like, you know, I'm not sure, I don't know. It would have cost nothing to Aaron Rodgers' mindset, and it would have cost nothing to the Green Bay Packers organization would have cost nothing in in his psyche to come out and say hey guys I'm a Green Bay Packer I don't know as far as I know I'm coming back like just say it and then you could change your mind but he didn't even want to give him that after a brutal 
at home, another choke job. And that's exactly what it was by Aaron Rodgers. A choke job, which he's very used to doing. After that, you didn't give Green Bay that. You couldn't do it. No. Minutes later, minutes later, you're on the microphone and you're saying, yeah, I'm I'm probably not coming back. I, I mean, if you're saying that at that point, then you're not coming back. I mean, let's just take Aaron Rodgers for what he is. He's he's not coming back to the Green Bay Packers. I'd be stunned if he does. You know, what would it take for Aaron Rodgers to come back? What, what, what could possibly lure him back? And I'm asking, I'm asking you guys, look, you guys have an answer for me. Write me over at Sports Garden, at Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, Facebook and Twitter. I want to hear, what, what is it going to take? You know, because this year, everything was in place. He's got a very good running game. Two-headed attack. He had Devontae Adams, which is no guarantee he's coming back. He had um, a very good offensive line. A top 10 defense. Home field advantage once again. The Green Bay Packers won more games in the last three years, the more regular season games in the last three years, than any other team in the history of the NFL that didn't go to the Super Bowl. He had a San Francisco 49ers team in front of him that uh, what. Barely made it to the playoffs. They were down 17 nothing. They're not even in that spot. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for like four yards, and he completed like one of like 37 passes. I mean, it was everything was in front of this guy. He still couldn't get it done. And and do you think a narcissist like Aaron Rodgers is going to look at himself and say, you know what, I choked another one away. Yeah, I want to come back to Green Bay to show them that that I'm not the choke artist that everyone's calling me. I'm not the choke artist. I didn't prove Tom Barton right for the last 10 years. No, he's not. He's going, see, I can't win with this team. Ah, man, it's this team. Terrible, terrible special teams. I just, I can't, I got to get out of here. It's only going to reinforce, the the way that they lost, the manner that they lost, how they lost, all of it, it's only going to reinforce Aaron Rodgers wanting to be out of town. It's only going to reinforce that Aaron Rodgers wants something different. So I wholeheartedly believe that Aaron Rodgers is gone. You know, I completely believe that Aaron Rodgers had already made his decision to be gone. I think that the idea of putting up the last dance gave us a pretty good indication that this is going to be the last dance. Now, he might take Devontae Adams, and everyone's going and kind of saying, oh, he may take Devontae Adams and go somewhere else, but I don't even know about that. The one thing I know about Aaron Rodgers, and I followed his career for a very long time, and anybody that has followed any portion of Aaron Rodgers' career will tell you exactly this. Aaron Rodgers is about Aaron Rodgers. No one else. So while he might want to play with Devontae Adams, he's going to go where and you know play where it's best for Aaron Rodgers, not for Devontae Adams. He may want to bring on Devontae, but if he doesn't come along, but I got a better position— Aaron Rodgers is going to defend himself. We've seen this time and time again. Teammates have, have you know, said bad things about him. Ownership said bad things about him. General managers, coaches, his family, friends, right? Uh, if he's got any. I mean, people generally don't like Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers is going to go do what's best for him. I think we need to get out of the notion that Rodgers and Adams are packaging somewhere. They're going somewhere together. Aaron Rodgers is going somewhere. Aaron Rodgers has an uh, an opportunity to go rebuild his career in the vein of Peyton Manning. Because it's not that long ago. We all love Peyton Manning, like I said. And Peyton Manning is, uh, on most people's list, a top three all-time quarterback. But there was a time that I remember, I lived through, I was on the air for it, 
where people are going, Peyton Manning's all, got all these MVP awards. Peyton Manning has all these great teams. Peyton Manning had home field advantage, but Peyton Manning's only got one ring. And then Peyton Manning went to Denver, and he set all kinds of records. He looked good, and he got rings. He went back to the Super Bowl. And we forget that. We, we, we don't have the conversation anymore about his lonely little one ring. Well, Aaron Rodgers got a lot of MVP awards. Aaron Rodgers wins a lot of regular season games. Aaron Rodgers only got one lonely ring about a decade ago. So if he goes somewhere else and reinvents himself and gets that ring, he's looking at Peyton Manning-type career where we don't even remember that. Aaron Rodgers is going somewhere else. He's not staying in Green Bay. I think that he made that very, very clear. That his future, his his future with the NFL is not in Green Bay. His future overall, he wants to leave Green Bay in the dust, guys. Since we're talking about that, let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to, to the future. Bet to the future. What does it bring us? It brings us to Aaron Rodgers and the odds on what team he'll be playing for next year. I have the odds right here. Let's talk about it right up top. The Broncos are plus 250. Steelers plus 350. Dolphins 450. Eagles 550. Browns 750. Raiders, which is getting a lot of traction, still sitting at 9 to 1. The Jets are 12 to 1. Panthers, Saints, and Titans at 14 to 1. Giants and Seahawks at 16 to 1. And the Ravens at 20 to 1. A ridiculous bet on that. That is bet to the future. Yeah, look, I'm looking at this. Look, Ravens is ridiculous. You know, um, Giants, I, I. I can't see him going there. I mean, he could bring Devontae there uh, with Saquon and have something. I just don't see it. Panthers, Saints, I don't see it. Look, the Titans could be real interesting for him. Really interesting for him. I think he's just better off going to the NFC. I really do. I mean, listen, if Brady leaves, how about taking over Tampa Bay? I don't see any uh, stats there for that. Not going to be the Jets. Um, the Raiders make a lot of sense. A lot of sense. I, You know, I don't know if he would go to the Browns because they don't have the weapons and they're a running team. The Eagles, that I just don't see happening at all. The Dolphins are going to be a no. I think it's the Broncos, Steelers, and Raiders. Those are the three. And I just don't think it's going to be the, the the Raiders. I'm telling you, I think I think the Steelers are the team. I think uh, the Steelers make a lot of sense. He gets to go there. He knows the compliment the receivers that he has. I, I think I would be uh, looking at the Steelers above all else. You know, that's just me. All right. Let's get into the second game, the NFC Championship game. Uh, look, the big conversation this week is going to be how Kyle Shanahan just absolutely owns Sean McVay. There's no way around it. There's no way to argue it. He owns Sean McVay. They've won six straight games, including, the obviously, two straight this year against him. But Jimmy G also owns Sean McVay and what they do. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is 7-0 and here against the Rams. The last three times that the Niners lost, C.J. Beathard, Mullins, and Hoyer were the quarterbacks. So when Shanahan has his starting quarterback, whether it be Lance or whether it be Garoppolo, they win. And and the philosophy for this game, I am looking at this exactly the way that the last couple of games have played out. And Shanahan has come out and said, look, I want to run it all day. He said, I want to rack up at least 40 yards. I, I said 40 today. This is a direct quote. Uh, the last time they met. I said 40 today because it entails the whole team. The defense has to play that way. The O-line has to play that way. Special teams has to play that way. You have to be good on third downs. 
We have to get turnovers. It was just really cool the whole way that the team played. We want to rush the ball for more than 40 yards. That's what they want to do. I, I mean, that that's what they want. Guess what? They were able to do it last time. 44 yards, 156 yards on the ground. 46, 44 carries. Absolutely dominated time of possession in both games. Dominated the line of scrimmage in both games. And that's the thing with this Rams team and the reality of what's going on. Look, what this Rams team can do is they could fly all over the field. They're very explosive. But look, they're flashy. They're fun. It's everything what L.A. is. But you know what you could do to anybody from L.A.? You punch them in the mouth and you win. Because they are not physical. They are flashy, they're flamboyant, but they're not physical. And the 49ers are physical. They have dominated the time of possession, like I said, uh, depending on who it was, didn't matter. Garoppolo, Trey Lance, didn't matter. Okay? Elijah Mitchell is going to be a big part of this. Debo Samuel, who is a receiver, but he also runs the ball, big part of this. And, you know, when they start getting those yardage on the ground, it, it starts to demoralize this Rams team. That is something to pay attention to. The other thing to pay attention to here is the, you know, defense of the 49ers. The defense of the 49ers is good, but it's not great. I ripped apart Aaron Rodgers for not being able to take control over the defensive backs of the Niners, especially when they lost somebody, but they play big when it counts. The Rams went 16 for 64, that's 25%, on third and fourth downs over the last five matchups. So they play bend but don't break, and on third and fourth downs, they step up, and they just flat out don't allow them to convert. I mean, it's just that simple. Now, the Niners, during the regular season, they were giving up 310 yards per game, right? I I mean, it's not great, but they're solid, right? They're top five in yards per game. The Rams... They're getting a lot of sacks, so you know they're going to be living in the backfield. San Francisco's defense, right? They've given up just 16 points per game over his last seven games. We watched that number be skewed because they got down 17-0. Um, and watched Stafford kind of have his way in the first half, but they came back and they won that game. Right? They came back and they won that game. The Niners can beat you physical. The Niners can beat you ugly. The Niners beat the Packers with six offensive points. Okay, they can do that to you. And this physical team can have a lot of problems when they start to get behind. And I think that despite the 17 nothing game that we saw and that comeback, I think that's the big pitfall here. And that's the big the big thing if you're Sean McVay, if you're a Rams fan, just get a little bit of a lead. And take away what this team does best. Make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you is always going to be the conversation. Make Jimmy G beat you is going to be what everyone wants to talk about. Make Jimmy G go out there and make plays downfield that we haven't seen, you know, with any kind of consistency from Jimmy Garoppolo. But that could backfire here on the Rams as well. Because Garoppolo has completed 75% of his passes in both regular season meetings against the Niners this year. So he has a lot of success there. Now, obviously, everything feeds off of Eli Mitchell. Everything feeds off of the run. Of course, we know that. Um, George Kittle can be a big part of this. George Kittle, though, is brought into kind of block a lot. Debo Samuel can be a massive part of this. Debo Samuel is somebody that if you really do look at Debo Samuel, he was banged up last time I, I heard about it, right? Now, he's averaged 11 yards per touch 
the last time that he saw them. It was 10.8 the last, uh, you know, in week 18. So he had a big game. You can see the explosiveness. You can see that Debo Samuel is that guy. He's that guy that is puts fear in the other team. Now, we talked a lot about San Francisco here, but what about the Rams? There's not much more to say that, about the Rams than very simply this. Look, if this was any other team without the history, without losing twice this year, without being in their division, without having the coach, if this was any other team, flat on on paper, the Rams are the better team in every metric that you can come up with. The Rams have the better offense. They certainly have the better quarterback. The Rams have the better wide receivers. By far, one of the biggest discrepancies in play in the playoffs. The Rams' offensive line can you know have a problem. So can San Francisco's. But I, all right, I'll give a slight nod to San Fran. But the Rams now, all of a sudden, with Cam Akers, can also run the ball. I know he put the ball on the ground a couple of times, but they can run the ball defensively. The Rams have some problems that were not able to be taken advantage of last week by Tom Brady until late. And here's where Jimmy G comes back into focus. Um, the Rams' defensive front is absolutely fantastic. We know that. I'm not going to argue that you know Floyd and Miller and, and Donald are anything but spectacular. But they're dealing with Eric Weddle, who was retired two weeks ago for two years. He's starting. Taylor Rapp is out. Their defensive secondary is an absolute mess, guys. It's a mess. You're going to have to take advantage of that. How do you take advantage of that? Jimmy Garoppolo has got to make some plays here. You want to run the ball all day, and you want Eli Mitchell to run the ball 40 times, and you want the ball to be on the ground, and you want to punch these guys in the face, and you want to play aggressive. I get all that, but you have to have some kind of success through the air, especially against a weakened defensive back, and especially with Garoppolo being the guy that everyone's looking at in this playoffs. Do you see memes and stuff? Garoppolo's the clown. He's got to step up here. He's got to. Now, I will say this. Look, the Rams didn't have Cam Akers last time. Daryl Henderson was, you know, is coming back, and he's still not 100%. But the Rams averaged just 58 yards rushing in the two losses to San Francisco. Stafford also has a pair of interceptions. So they're going to they're gonna have to run the ball as well. And if the Rams can establish any kind of semblance of a run, this game could be a rout. This game could be an absolute rout. Everyone's going to look at this game, and what we're going to do is we're going to sit back and we're going to really break it down and say the Rams are the better team, but. And I think that that is sort of the theme of the playoffs here, especially from a sports betting standpoint. How much do you leave it, Do you believe in the but? Ah, that's a... That right there, that's like a meme that writes itself, right? I, and I'll tell you, I believe in the butt a lot. No, uh, but how much do you believe in the the butt? Is really, you know, how I'm I'm finishing this because this the Los Angeles Rams have home field advantage. The Los Angeles Rams are the better team. The Los Angeles Rams have the better quarterback. The Los Angeles Rams have the best player on the field in Aaron Donald. The Los Angeles Rams have the best wide receiver in the sport in Cooper Cup. The Los Angeles Rams have everything you want. The Los Angeles Rams should be going to the Super Bowl. There's a but, though. And that but is that Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. That but is that we watched this team not only win two games this year against head-to-head against them, but also come back from 17-0. There's also the but that they've won six games in a row. There's also the, the but that 
San Francisco has almost no pressure. The Rams have it all. How much do you believe in that? Do you believe in it plus three and a half? Or do you believe the Rams route here? You know, I'll tell you what. I'm not touching the points. To me, this is either a San Francisco win or the Rams blow their doors off. And I could say the same thing about Kansas City. It's everything but. Kansas City is at home. Kansas City has the better coach. Kansas City has the better quarterback. Kansas City has the better offense. Kansas City has potentially the better defense. Kansas City has been here before. Everybody loves Kansas City. There's the but, though. And that but is Joe Burrow, right? That but is, wow. Every time that we've counted this guy out throughout his entire career, going back to college, he stepped up. He is massively talented. He's that guy. He is that guy that makes you go, wow, okay. That, that, that's a problem. So from a betting standpoint, guys, I don't like either one of these games. I really don't. I would lean the under in both. Um, but only because of the line rose. I kind of like the over in the Cincinnati game and uh, Kansas City game. Uh, but I, I would lean... I guess the points in both, but I you know, I wouldn't be taking the points. Look, I think I think Cincinnati either wins or it's a KC twenty point blowout and we're not we're we're laughing this off. I think the Rams either win or it's a Ram, or the, the uh, Niners win or it's a Rams blowout. You know, I could see KC winning this game. You sit me down and you told me the next day, look, look, KC won uh forty to seventeen. I'm going, yeah, all right. That, yeah, I'm buying that. No one's going to be shot. No one's falling off their chair in the sports betting world because Casey wins and covers and, and wins handedly. And if you told me, you know what? Casey made some mistakes. Their defense just couldn't hold them down. And Joe Burrow, you know, won a close game. And 34-31 was the last time they met just a couple of weeks ago. And that's kind of what it was again, right? This one, this one was 38-35. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't argue with you. And it's the same kind of methodology there with the Rams and Niners. She told me that the Rams came in and and everything worked and Stafford stepped up and McVay looked good and the defense, you know, all clicked and everything went well. And the Niners couldn't get anything going. They couldn't run the ball, which means Jimmy Garoppolo had to throw the ball. Jimmy didn't look good, made a lot of mistakes. And all of a sudden you're sitting back and you're going, Jimmy Garoppolo, what did Jimmy Garoppolo do? Uh, oh, man. Uh, oh, oh, he didn't look good. And the Rams win this one 35 to 10. That wouldn't shock me at all. That's a very viable situation. It's a very plausible scenario. But the other scenario does exist as well. That San Francisco comes in and they out-physical the Rams again. And they beat them up again. And they run the ball close to 40 times again. And they control the clock again. And all the pressure is on the Rams in the fourth quarter. And all of the pressure is off the Niners. And they're flying all over the field. And they're getting pressure on Stafford. And Stafford in pressure situations crumbles like he has before in his career. All of it comes down. And the Niners get a 24-21 win. Yeah, I'm buying that as well. You know, I, I'm I'm going to take the easy chalk here. And I'm going to say we're going to have a Super Bowl where it's KC and the Rams. But you don't have to twist my arm too far. To make me say, Cincinnati, San Fran. You don't have to twist my arm too much to make me have a conversation that this could be any number of these combinations. KC Rams, KC Frisco, Frisco Bengals, Rams Bengals. I will say this from a from a strictly a viewer's kind of uh, standpoint. I don't want KC San Fran. 
We already saw that two years ago. I think it was a lackluster Super Bowl. I think it will be another lackluster Super Bowl again. So I don't want that. But I don't want KC Rams either. I, I don't want the Rams. Look, I'm weird like this. This is how I get into it sports. I don't want the Rams to be a rewarded. It's the same thing with like, you know, how I felt about the Lakers and how I feel, feel about the Dodgers. I don't want the Rams to be rewarded for mortgaging the next five years of their team's future to try to win this year and signing Odell and signing Miller. and si- I, I don't want them to be rewarded for that, you know? And, and Kansas City, I've already seen it. So, I, you know, I'm hoping we get some combination of Cincinnati. By the way, Cincinnati and the Rams uniform combinations would just be, oh, ooh, that would hurt the eyes <laughs> out there. Kind of cool, but it would hurt the eyes, right? Um, so, look, I'm rooting for Cincinnati and San Francisco. But I fully believe Kansas City and San Francisco, uh, I mean, Kansas City and the Rams are the Super Bowl participants. And I don't love anything to bet on this week. I'm looking at these totals, but I don't love it. I think the Lionsmakers did a good job. If you're able to get the 7.5 with Cincinnati, I could see that being the play. Um, If this goes down to 3, maybe the the Rams are the play. But remember, you do have those big giant butts out there. I'm just going to keep making these jokes. And how much do you believe in it? That's really what it's going to come down to this weekend. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. Next time we talk, we're going to have a Super Bowl. Uh, We're going to have a lot of Super Bowl talk. And we're going to start getting into a little bit more college basketball. Now it's really deep into conference play. We're starting to see the rankings there. A little bit of NBA. They're separating themselves. The NHL, the good teams are kind of rising to the top. So we're going to have a lot more conversation as we continue next week. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.